you know what we got to lose is our children's future. That's right. This is worth doing because of our kids. A bullet is heading towards your child. This is a clear and present danger administered at the end of a public health administration needle. Nothing I have done in the last 18 months that has made me infamous or famous, take your pick, has been because I'm a lawyer. It's been because I'm a lawyer. I think the parents are the new lawyers. I have eight children and I want to leave the world a little bit better and safer for them and for your children and for all of our children. Something is not right and it feels very much like when we escape communism in Vietnam. This gives them the opportunity to discriminate against 72% of black Americans because you're unclean. Black America has to wake up. Fear is immune suppressive. One of the most powerful things, second only to anger. So if you want to stay well, joy, hug, love, forget the narrative. When we do that, we become one. And that is what they're afraid of. That's why they locked us in our house. That's why they're pumping fear at us every day. It's a celebration of what we can use to connect ourselves into the organism called humanity, which then fully informs cannot be enslaved. I told someone the other day that lost their job, I said, you were freed. Take that freedom and figure out what you're supposed to do with it. We expect their conversation to be wide ranging, to cover a range of topics of mutual interest, everything from uh, COVID-19 and uh, our efforts to address the global pandemic. mistake. We are currently being assailed by a worldwide fraud of such scale and malevolence that it threatens our very existence as we know it on this planet. The fraud concerns a purported virus, invented, not found by virology, which allowed Bill Gates to predict a once-in-a-century pandemic requiring billions of vaccines to combat, by which he meant to vastly increase the assets of the Bill and Melinda Gates Trust that sits alongside the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Another who was eagerly preparing for the deployment of mass vaccines was Peter Datick of EcoHealth Alliance. As he said in 2015, we need to increase public understanding of the need for medical countermeasures such as a pan-influenza or pan-coronavirus vaccine. A key driver is the media and the economics follow the hype. We need to use that hype to our advantage to get to the real issues. Investors will respond if they see profit at the end of process. In September 2019, the Global Preparedness Monitoring Board, a creation of the WHO and the World Bank, 
advise countries to prepare for a potential lethal respiratory pathogen by investing in innovative vaccines and therapeutics, surge manufacturing capacity, broad-spectrum antivirals, and appropriate non-pharmaceutical interventions. They further advise that all countries must develop a system for immediately sharing genome sequences of any new pathogen. The world was being prepared for a pandemic. And on December 4th, 2019, Dr. Anthony Fauci, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, stated that his agency was conducting and supporting research to develop state-of-the-art vaccine platform technologies that could be used to develop universal influenza vaccines, as well as to improve the speed and agility of the influenza vaccine manufacturing process. These platform technologies include DNA, messenger RNA, virus-like particles, vector-based, and self-assembling nanoparticle vaccines. Everything was thus set to release genetic and nanoparticle technologies onto unsuspecting populations under the guise of a health crisis just a few weeks away. All it took was the substitution of influenza, which had long since failed to strike fear into the world with an imaginary, deadly, and novel coronavirus. The events that have transpired over the last 20 months would have seemed inconceivable even two years ago, except in the minds of people like Gates and Klaus Schwab, founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum, who had already conceived of destroying democracy from within with a self-destructive response induced by fear of such a virus. As Schwab wrote in The Great Reset, sowing the seeds of his global agenda, since making its entry onto the world stage, COVID-19 has dramatically torn up the script of how to govern countries, live with others and take part in the global economy. It was an extraordinary claim for a coronavirus that was so novel that its spike protein sequence had been patented by its inventors and assigned to the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, USA in 2007 and allegedly provided to Moderna in November 2019, a month before COVID-19 leapt onto the world stage in Wuhan. It is a song Schwab loves singing with Terry Mallorat. The worldwide crisis triggered by the coronavirus pandemic has no parallel in modern history. We cannot be accused of hyperbole when we say it is plunging our world in its entirety and each of us individually into the most challenging times we've faced in generations. It is our defining moment. We will be dealing with its fallout for years and many things will change forever. The globalist chorister, Helen Clark, co-chair of the WHO's Independent Panel for Pandemic Preparedness and Response, sings from the same hyperbolical song sheet. In less than a year and a half, COVID-19 has infected at least 150 million people and killed more than 3 million. It is the worst combined health and socioeconomic crisis in living memory and a catastrophe at every level. COVID-19 is the 21st century's Chernobyl moment, not because a disease outbreak is like a nuclear accident, but because it has shown so clearly the gravity of the threat to our health and well-being. It has caused a crisis so deep and wide that presidents, prime ministers and heads of international and regional bodies must now urgently accept the responsibility to transform the way in which the world prepares for and responds to global health threats. These preposterous and unsubstantiated claims from the globalists provide a chorus of fear on which the pharmaceutical companies such as Pfizer rely to extort vast sums of money from nation states that sell out their people for a song. This extortive practice is the basis of the leaked manufacturing and supply agreement 
whereby Pfizer required Albania to accept that the Pfizer vaccine was subject to significant risks and uncertainties, that it may not be successful due to a wide range of reasons, and that Pfizer has no liability for any failure to develop or obtain authorization of the product in accordance with the estimated dates described in this agreement. However, many years in the making, the go button was pushed on this globalist fraud when a 41-year-old worker presented at the Central Hospital of Wuhan on the 26th of December 2019 with symptoms indistinguishable from other respiratory illnesses commonplace among the 11 million residents who endure suffocating pollution in the capital of China's Hubei province. Lickety-split, the genome of a virus no one had seen, let alone isolated and purified, was published in early January 2020, renamed SARS-CoV-2 on the 11th of February. The same day, the fraud's chief conductor, the WHO's Director General, Tedros, announced its consequent companion. We now have a name for the disease, COVID-19. I'll spell it, C-O-V-I-D hyphen 19, COVID-19. By the end of March 2020, democracy was on its knees. The people, as the people excluded from public life, imprisoned in their homes, accepting their fate in the same tragic silence as the sad-eyed of the Shoah, packed into boxcars, rolled across a grayscale landscape to a fate worse than death. The camps of exclusion were now our homes. And then the unthinkable. Politicians announced that they would be inoculating their populations with highly experimental genetic encoded devices never before used on humans that still had years to run on their already truncated and farcical clinical trials. Our elected representatives didn't bother to tell us that. They also didn't tell us that those who seem to tolerate the initial inoculation may be carrying in their bodies ticking time bombs of potential neurodegenerative and autoimmune diseases as well as undeclared non-biological objects for undeclared purposes. The Trojan Horse Everything turns on these two concepts, absence and presence. Of what is SARS-CoV-2 predicated? Absence or presence? That is the question we must decide. For without the instantiated presence of SARS-CoV-2, there are no COVID-19 cases to count and therefore no ground or justification for any government's response to a phantom pandemic. This assault on humanity relies on a Trojan horse to deliver the fraud into our minds and bodies, making possible the fulfillment of the globalist agenda of a population control grid with the apparent ultimate aim of controlling populations in every way possible. While debates go on around the world regarding the origins of COVID-19, the latest case numbers, its lethality, and the effectiveness of the so-called vaccines, the participants in these debates seem to take something for granted. That a virus actually exists. The vast majority of the public and the medical profession are unaware that the Trojan horse is modern virology and its anti-scientific methods that assert the existence of viruses such as SARS-CoV-2. Most would be surprised to learn that viruses such as these have never been found inside a human or shown to be the cause of disease. Virology's double deception. The COVID-19 crime against humanity requires the absence of this virus, so there is no material reference against which the make-believe genome can be cross-checked. To establish, for instance, whether or not the purported SARS-CoV-2 proteins specifically stem from the alleged virus. This illusory trick relies on virology's double deception. 
the substitution of the dictionary and scientifically postulated meaning of the noun isolation for an antonym, and the substitution of the fake proxy of inducing cytopathic effects by inoculating abnormal cell lines in vitro for the postulated proxy of infecting a healthy or non-diseased host in vivo to establish causality between the purported pathogen and the disease. This double deception constitutes a violation of postulates on which the scientific community has long depended. This physical absence makes of SARS-CoV-2 a fail-safe fraud one that industry-funded virologists applaud, and one that the medico-pharmaceutical complex both exploits and rewards. So obscure is this black art and so arcane its language that few among the general public would stop to question it. Even Stephen Buston, polymerase chain reaction expert and creator of the Mikey protocols designed to tame the RT-PCR wild west, falls for this virological fraud, as he revealed in his interview with Eric Coppolino. There's two definitions of isolation going around, though. One, one is that you separate it from all else, and the other is you put it into a broth and you find it. Yeah. Well, I, that's not really my area of expertise. As far as I'm concerned, I've read the papers, and it, that's the standard way of isolating a pathogen, so I have no problem with that. Well, it's the current way that's used, I would say, that... that um, the, the idea of, you know, true purification, you separate it into centrifuge and you know you've got a of only that. Mm -hmm. And then, then, then you can, th then that is the thing that is sequenced and, and then used to prime the PCR. It, uh, it does not appear that, that that's what's happening. Uh, from my limited, you know, a year into this. Well, um, the, the way the sequence was established was by taking the sample from the original patient, growing up something, and then sequencing it, and then assembling the sequence. And what came out of that was a SARS virus, which then very closely resembled a bat SARS virus. And was, was obviously it was a different one. So, that, that, well, you know, this is a standard way of doing this. So um, I, I really don't want to comment, I can't comment any further on that, except that to me that's perfectly acceptable and that's the way to do it. Four pillars of the COVID-19 fraud. If P, then Q. Now Q is true, therefore P is true. E.g. if pigs have wings, then some winged animals are good to eat. Now some winged animals are good to eat, therefore pigs have wings. This form of inference is called scientific method. Bertrand Russell, 1946. There are four pillars to the worldwide COVID-19 fraud, all of which are interlocking. The first pillar, isolation. The theory of disease-causing viruses dates back to the 1800s, and virologists spent the first half of the 20th century trying to extract these suspected viruses directly from living hosts. The repeated failures led them to change course in the 1950s in order to retain any credibility. The virologists had to provide something to show their potential funders, including the growing pharmaceutical industry, chomping at the bit to develop vaccines and antimicrobial drugs. In 1954, scientists reported that they had evidence of the measles virus based on the observation that a sample from a measles patient had killed some cells in a test tube. These appearances are known as cytopathic effects. The authors admitted that while there is no ground for concluding that the factors in a human are the same as those which underlie the formation of giant cells and the nuclear disturbances in the test tube, the appearance of these phenomena might be associated with the virus of measles. 
The appearance of cytopathic effects is foundational to modern virology's fraudulent claims of isolation and pathogenicity. A sample is taken from a patient and mixed with some cells in a test tube. The cells die and it is declared that a virus has been isolated as particles are seen budding off the cells. What virologists don't want you to know is that the same appearance can be generated without adding purported virus samples to the test tube. In other words, it is the process itself. Starvation of the cell and the addition of various toxic substances such as antibiotics and antifungals that cause the already abnormal cell lines to react and die. No virus required. Sometimes photographs of mock infections are provided. However, the details of these experiments are conspicuous by their absence. There are, of course, the images of what are claimed to be the virus causing all our problems. However, the colorful 3D images are nothing more than computer-generated images representing an artist's impression. They have been used by media around the world to fuel the imaginations of the public that a tiny microbe that looks like a sea mine that could hit, then sink them at any time. As for the electron micrograph images put forward in the scientific publications, these simply show nanoparticles budding off from culture cells as described in the laboratory experiments. They are alleged to be the SARS-CoV-2 viruses based on arbitrary declarations. Not one of these key properties has been demonstrated in any of the virological experiments describing purported isolation and pathogenesis. Virologists spent decades attempting this unsuccessfully and instead of admitting there might be a problem with the whole virus theory, they simply changed the meaning of the word. This is a scandalous state of affairs. The world is currently being held to ransom because virologists do not actually isolate viruses. They just say that they do and appear not to be troubled that the current assault on humanity relies on the self-evident scientific fraud. The first and foundational fraud is the claim that the virus has been isolated and is the causal agent of COVID-19. Without acceptance of this always unsubstantiated claim, the COVID-19 fraud would implode, as would Gates's once-in-a-century pandemic. In other words, the fraud of isolation relies on the violation of accepted meaning to deceive when, for instance, an isolate has no more been isolated than a wishful thought. This sets up a viciously circular discourse from which there is no escape. The premise of existence is established by the lie, and through its absolute insistence, existence of the virus is conclusively and repeatedly confirmed. Virology thrives on this insistence, for without it, there is no virus, no virology, no positive PCR tests, and no more jobs for virologists inventing viruses for big pharma to fight with miraculous vaccines. That is also why ideas that run counter to this narrative are censored by the government and by the mainstream media and why this country's security agencies are terrorising the people they claim to be protecting and forcing upon them the virological fraud on which the whole charade depends. The entire state apparatus is currently dedicated to this cause. Fan Wu et al. Rather than using the method widely used by virologists for claiming isolation and pathogenicity through inducing cytopathic effects, Fan Wuertel, the first inventors of the SARS-CoV-2 genome, sent the sample extracted from the patient's lung fluid straight to sequencing for two de novo assembly platforms to search for short genetic fragments or reads. 
It is important to note that the samples sent for sequencing were not physically isolated viruses, but crude samples containing millions of unique genetic fragments from the patient himself, innumerable microbes, even from the air the patient had breathed on the way to the hospital. Over 56.5 million reads were produced from this genetic soup and pieced together to create 384,000 contigs on Megahit and 1.32 million contigs on Trinity. Perhaps with a predisposition to prove their unproven canard that there is the ongoing ability of viral spillover from animal to cause severe disease in humans. Fan Wu et al. chose the longest, which they claimed had a nucleotide identity of 89.1% with the in silico coronavirus genome invented in 2018, thus a genome that was as close genetically as a human is to a house cat. Subsequently, it was decided that the genome needed a cut and paste, perhaps to make it look even closer to the 29,802 nucleotides of the bat model, and it was reduced to 29,875 nucleotides in the next version of GenBank. But the artists weren't finished with their creation, and a third and final model was drawn with a completely different terminal sequence featuring 23 consecutive adenine bases, which, hey presto, looked more like the bat model that featured 26 consecutive adenine bases on its tail. It is unclear how the virologists knew which genome to choose when all of the options were hypothetical computer constructs. It thus quickly becomes apparent that the anti-science of virology and the perversion of the word isolation is not only delusional, but also highly misleading and no basis for anything, let alone the health and well-being of whole populations. One year later, Dr. Wu Zanyu of the China CDC in an interview with Janice McKee Freyer would state that isolation had never taken place. No, they didn't isolate the virus. That's the issue. I do not suspect it's coming from uh, what we originally thought. This foundational fraud was rewarded with grants in 2020 totaling US $900,000 from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, made to the two institutions with which 14 of the 19 co-authors of the fraud were affiliated. Fudan University received a grant under Invoice 6277 to support the epidemiology study and identify the high risks of COVID-19 infection, which will contribute to national and international public health intervention strategy and product development. Totaling US $300,000 and the China CDC received a grant under Invoice 5832 to support emergency response and evaluation and prepare China for the potential pandemic, which will not only help disease control and containment, but contribute China's experience to global health. Totaling $600,000. Peng Zhu et al. Similar pseudoscientific methods and the same false claim of isolation are found in the paper of Peng Zhu et al. Received by Nature 13 days after Fan Wu et al's, but published online in the same volume, 579, on the same day, 3rd of February 2020. These authors likewise claim successful isolation of what they call 2019 NCOV, but on the basis of the cytopathic effects they observed in three cell lines. However, these are illegitimate proxies for the postulated infection of a healthy animal or host. The three cell lines employed were Vero E6 cells derived from the kidney of an African green monkey, 
HUH7, a human liver cell line taken from a liver tumour in 1982 and subsequently cultured, and human HLR cells derived from a female human in 1951 suffering from cervical cancer and subsequently cultured. None of these cell lines meet the postulated criterion of a healthy host with which to test for pathogenicity, but are favoured as they produce the effects being sought that is cytopathic effects and the appearance of extracellular vesicles. To the cell lines were added, among other items, inorganic salts, fetal bovine serum to feed the cells, and an array of cytotoxic items such as amphotericin B, an antifungal, trypsin, which hydrolyzes protein, penicillin, an antibiotic, streptomycin, another antibiotic, glutaraldehyde, a disinfectant, and osmium tetroxide, an acutely toxic oxidizing agent, and epoxy resin to create a solid substrate for ultra-thin slicing. Bizarrely, on the basis that RNA of unknown provenance was part of the culture in which many cells died by way of induced starvation and stress with cytotoxic ingredients, the authors claimed that they had successfully isolated the virus. 2019 NCoV beta Not that the cocktail of cytotoxic ingredients had decimated their abnormal cell lines. In short, Peng Zhu et al. fulfilled none of the postulates to identify the virus or confirm it as being causative of any disease. The alleged virus had not even been physically isolated and purified for biochemical characterization, and hence remained entirely theoretical. This was apparently of no concern to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the foundation providing the Chinese Academy of Sciences with which 24 of the 27 co-authors were affiliated with a 2020 COVID-19 related grant under Invoice 6377 totaling US 359,820 for the following purpose. To support developing assays, platform of drug screening and subunit vaccines of coronavirus, which will contribute to product innovation of COVID-19 pandemic control. Nazu et al. Published in the New England Journal of Medicine on the 20th of February 2020, Nazu et al. described their study of lower respiratory tract samples, including bronchoalveolar lavage fluid collected from four patients with pneumonia of unknown cause, all of whom had visited the Huanan seafood market in Wuhan shortly before their clinical presentation. Despite claiming isolation of the virus, it is clear that the authors do not mean isolation in the dictionary and postulated sense but virology's substituted antonymic meaning and the substitution of diseased for non-diseased host cells to establish causality between a purported virus and the patient's illness. In this case, the supernatant centrifuged from the patient's sample was inoculated on human epithelial cells resected from patients undergoing surgery for lung cancer, although purportedly pathogen-free. In any event, cancer cells would be present in such cells, and as they are wont to do, such cells produce an abundance of exosomes, which would be visible by way of transmission electron microscopy. Unlike Fan Wu et al. and Peng Zhu et al., Na Zhu et al. did produce images of what they described as 2019 NCoV particles, but without any verification of their biochemical composition from a purified specimen. It is simply impossible to establish from the proffered images that the particles are viruses or that they contained the alleged SARS-CoV-2 genome. Yet despite this double deception that haunts virology, virologists still cling to their beliefs and their jobs. For as Nazu et al. put it, although our study does not fulfill Koch's postulates, 
Our analyses provide evidence of implicating 2019 NCOV in the Wuhan outbreak. The basis of this claim seems to be the authors placing arrowheads on extracellular vesicles of unknown composition and christening them 2019 NCOV. Implication and unknown composition, however, was good enough for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which provided the National Institute for Viral Disease Control and Prevention, with which 13 of the 18 co-authors were affiliated with a 2020 COVID-19 related grant under invoice 1912-1 for US 71,700 to support China CDC to evaluate the quality of COVID-19 serological diagnostic reagents in China and provide evidence for scientific use of reagents in clinical diagnosis and epidemiological survey. Leon Kelly et al. Leon Kelly et al. produced their own brand of Antipodean nationalism under the title Isolation and Rapid Sharing of the 2019 novel Coronavirus from the first patient diagnosed with COVID-19 in Australia. When they reported on a 58-year-old man from Wuhan who felt unwell when he arrived in Melbourne on 19th of January 2020. When they claimed the Vero cells showed cytoplasmic membrane-bound vesicles containing coronavirus particles, Kelly et al. were unable to find variants with the purported spike protein, so they added more trypsin to the cell culture medium, and before they could say Jack Robinson, the trypsin, the function of which is to digest proteins, had gobbled up the outer protein layer of a 100 nanometer spherical variant to reveal the characteristic crown-like fringe of spike proteins, which they added without the slightest hint of irony, immediately improved variant morphology. In other words, when the exosomes did not look like their desired virus, they gave it a little trypsinized encouragement. The alleged variants were not purified, so their biochemical composition could not be established. The proffered genome was in fact put together after generating approximately 30 million reads from the tissue culture mix. As per all other papers of this nature, no explanation was provided as to how these particles are known to cause disease or whether they even exist inside humans. Again, they could only be called extracellular vesicles of unknown significance, produced from abnormal monkey kidney cells in a test tube. Nothing further needs to be said about the follies of this paper and the virological nonsense that informs it, except to add that New Zealand's Ministry of Health states that this is one example of the virus being isolated and cultured in a laboratory setting. To help sustain my channel in this time of censorship, please support my work on Subscribestar. Link is in the description. So that we don't lose touch, please find me at drsambailey.com and sign up for my free newsletter. Okay, that is just one. Let's see. Let me go back to two. Let's get to this one. COVID-19 Fraud and War on Humanity by Dr. Mark Bailey and Dr. John Bevan Smith. Part two. The second pillar genomic sequencing. This unfolding worldwide tragedy has in large part been enabled. And this, I think, because for the essence of time, we are going to do that in a separate episode. So if you're driving around like I do and listening to podcasts, we can end on this note. Follow your mind, so hollow where you be a
thanks for listening and please share this this is a great episode i hope this you might have to listen more than once to really get everything she's saying you can go to my um telegram and you can watch it all so you can see the videos so you can the clips and if you've are been in health and you've taken like microbiology and further then go do your due diligence and question what she's doing go spend the hours that this doctor has been doing and do your own research